0: this is the Ohini review gals guys Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, whoever it is that is listening uh, here now, good morning, good afternoon, uh, good evening I guess, good night potentially, whatever time of day you are here listening to this, hello again and welcome back. This is Mr. Ohini here with another episode of the Ohini Review. This is where I give you a quote-unquote quick rundown of everything we covered this past week in U.S. 2 History Class. My goal is to provide a review of some of the topics we covered to give you another means of hopefully understanding our nation's history. But it's also a way to show off just how much we covered in one week. And this week is actually very unique because it's Wednesday right now. And it's the end of our school week. We have teachers' convention this week. So it's a three-day school week. Those were always my favorite. Yeah. Always always your favorite. You're not supposed to say that to eighth graders. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, I guess this is actually a pretty good time to introduce the <laughs> guest that we have on this week's podcast. It is uh, one of my best friends, one of my longest Friends, longest friends, longest, long, long I time. Say, I would say so. Longest time friends. I don't know what the phrase actually is. I met you when I was seven. Seven? We were in first grade, right? I believe so. I think we were in first grade. Uh, well, my my guest on the show today, our guest on the show today, is uh, my good buddy Mr. Dennis Diggins. How are you, Dan? Dennis, I am wonderful. I'm glad to hear it. Here we are recording an episode of a his- history podcast in my house. I love it. Uh, the washing machine is rolling nice and loud.
1: Well, you know, it can't compare to your sweet angelic voice, Dan. <laughs> <It's>,
0: <laughs> you sound like you're promoting the war effort is going great for our country. <laughs> well, you know what? We, we are going to talk about a war today. So funny, I knew it. Funny you should mention it. I knew it. It is history class. I brought you on the podcast. You knew it was going to be something good. I've been thinking about this all week (laughs) Well, anyway So here's Wednesday We were in school for three days this week But one day at a time One small victory at a time We covered It was probably It was like a year and a half A year and a half or so of events In the American Civil War Probably my favorite war Is it? It's one of the most horrific wars That or W-2 Okay It was one of the bloodiest Yeah it was the bloodiest American war. We actually talked about that last week. Really? Yeah. We, it was the, the, the Civil War is America's deadliest war. So anyway, we covered a few years' worth of events in the American Civil War, and that's kind of amazing. In just three days, we did that. So this is our fifth show in a row. I love it. It's week number nine of school, which sounds really low. It's funny. Somebody goes, well, it's only week nine. I go, that's more than two months of school. So, you put it that way, just a yeah, different perspective, right? Two months in a week, Dan. Two months in a week. And so, at this point, we're in the Civil War, shots are fired, and in history class, we're off to the races. So. Well, start me off. Start me off. Let's roll. So, let's set the stage, Mr. Dickens. Please. Last week, there's basically two main points of main takeaways, if you will, of our lessons last week. Okay. Abraham Lincoln gets inaugurated, elected, and then inaugurated as the 16th president of the United States in the year 1860. What are we up to now? 46. Not bad. There you go. So Abraham Lincoln gets elected president in 1860. Do you know what happened after Abraham Lincoln was elected? I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, what happened after the South seceded from the Union? I heard about that. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say you definitely knew that, but you know it's been a few years since you studied, so uh, well, well, listen, I kind of, I'm ready to relearn, Dan. There you go. That's what we're all here for. We're here to learn. I learn so much every day. It's actually it's amazing. So right after Abraham
1: Lincoln was sworn in, yep. How long after that before the South seceded? from Dude, the union? it was.
0: Like five weeks Really? Yeah Abraham Lincoln gets elected In November of 1860 I don't know what the date was actually But it was the first Tuesday Of November, right? I think it's technically The first Tuesday After the first Monday Of November Isn't that strange? Really? I think that's when election day is The first Tuesday After the first Monday In November Don't quote me on that But I think I heard that Because today Pardon me Yesterday was election day In New Jersey The governor election That's right I think I heard it yesterday So December 20th Is when is when the south seceded from the union led by south carolina they were the ones that that seceded on, on december 20th so we're, it's literally it's like five weeks later six weeks later i mean that's not it wasn't some some spur-of-the-moment decision that they made this has been brewing for decades well that's the thing and i'm yeah. surprised
1: they did it in the winter too that seems like more of a spring thing seceding from the country <laughs> You know. You think so? Go into the warmer weather. Well, Get yourself settled well, first, <laughs> then go into the harsh winters. I don't know
0: if the weather necessarily matters. Look,
1: I mean <laughs> I've never seceded from a country before from the Union. Yeah. But I would have suggested well perhaps the springtime. In their
0: defense, we're talking the southern the southeast United States is pretty warm all year round. That's true. But this
1: was, it was a boiling point and eventually it came to the head. Yes.
0: And this is when strike now. Strike now or forever hold your peace. Yeah, and they did. Boiling point's a great way to put it because tensions were rising for the years and years and years leading up to Southern Secession. And last week we had my buddies Jerry, Jan, and Adam on the podcast. The last two weeks actually. And we used the analogy that we were making pasta. So all the events leading up to the Civil War, we were boiling the water, boiling the water, we're waiting for it to boil. And I see so what you're doing. The South secedes, and the bow tie pasta went in the water. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it's a very interesting take. Listen, on it, we Dan, were hungry. I think we got. I, yeah. We were all hungry, <laughs> but it makes complete sense. It really does. So last week, the pasta gets put in the water, <laughs> and there you go. We're making bow tie. By the way, we don't need any linguine or rigatoni, right? So with Southern secession came one more attempt at compromise. We also covered last week the Dred Scott Supreme Court decision. And we're not going to dive into that because we can listen to last week's episode if we want to want to hear the details. But um, that was a really, really, really big deal. The Dred Scott v. Sanford Supreme Court decision. The Crittenden compromise. Um, but the big two takeaways. Abraham Lincoln is now president. The South secedes from the Union. And the country is just waiting for what Abraham Lincoln is going to do next.
1: Really can't imagine the pressure.
0: Yeah, we talked about within that. the
1: first five weeks of you, you entering office. You yeah, have something so like I guess well, with. he
0: wasn't even in office yet, right? So he gets elected in November. Oh, that's right. He doesn't, he doesn't take office till till til March actually. In eighteen sixty one, it was March. So now it's January, but in the eighteen sixties, it was March. No kidding. So James Buchanan was president. He was just trying to ride it out as best he could for the last two months. Of his presidency, but, I mean, the country was just, they are waiting. They were waiting for Abe Lincoln, of course. What is he going to say? What is he going to do? How is he going to treat this whole thing? So, civil war is inevitable. That's where we left it off last week, basically. We were hoping, nobody wants civil war. Nobody wants war, right?
1: Uh, No, nobody wants war, but especially in times like that, I mean... Over the years it just seems like the uh, the only option when civility uh, civility fails.
0: yeah wow, that's a great word to use especially like civility fails and uh, and civil war ends up being the option here. <clears throat> so Lincoln gives his inauguration his first inaugural address in March of 1861 and it's basically just like a waiting game. People are going like, "Okay, when's this going to happen? When's this going to happen? When's this going to happen?" So the, the, the where we like really left off, where we really left off was the idea that there are military forts down in the southern portion of the United States, right? Abraham Lincoln is the new president and commander-in-chief. Forts are manned by soldiers. And they have supplies and they have needs. If nothing else, food and drink, right? If they're not fighting a war, they don't need tons of ammunition resupplies. But they need food, they need water, they need all the good supplies, right? And so a portion of the country leaves the Union and there are forts down there. Let's let's just say South Carolina, right? So South Carolina, let's say there's a fort there. When you go to resupply the fort, that fort is now like on somebody else's land, right?
1: Yeah. That's a pretty That's rude. That's no longer uh, yeah. the United States soil. It's pretty wild. That's a different governing body. It's pretty
0: wild. So, you know, generally speaking, the South, I guess, kind of took control of most of those forts down South. But let's bring this back to reality here. So there is a fort in South Carolina. It's uh, called Fort Sumter. Many, I believe. Yeah. Well, there's a big one that was built. I think was started. They started building it in the War of 1812. But it was Fort Sumter. You definitely remember hearing of Fort Sumter. It's the famous first shots of the Civil that's War. That's right. Right. So there you go. Spoiler. Who shot first? There you go. Well, actually, we know who shot first, but there's
1: definitely a debate as to who started the war. Oh wait. Well, that that's what it was. Now, what was the debate
0: on who started the war? There you go. So that's a great question. Oh well, thank you, Dan. So this exact scenario that here. we just hyped. <laughs> to ask these questions. That's exactly why why we have you here. Um, The exact hypothetical scenario we just went through wasn't hypothetical at all. Obviously, I knew that. (laughs) I was just setting you up here, you know, getting getting your thought process in the right way. It's churning. So Fort Sumter is in the Charleston Harbor, Charleston, South Carolina. Yes. It's a United States military fort that is now on quote-unquote foreign soil, right? South Carolina and the rest of the South seceded from the Union. So it's like April, it's March turning to April and they were about to run out of supplies. Right? If nothing else, let's just say food. They're training, of course, using some ammo, but let's just say they need food. There's a you bunch of guys You got to sustain people, yeah. You got to sustain them water. So Abraham Lincoln is forced to make this decision. Do I send supplies and potentially provoke war with the South by sending a military ship with supplies into their land, of course, or do I surrender the fort? And basically like give in to these southern rebels. Now we, you What and choice I, did he make? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> he, he's got that decision to make. Today, the decisions that I made were like, what pair of pants am I going to wear to school today? Do I want to get Chipotle or pizza for dinner? Am I going to start a war that's going to cost yeah hundreds of thousands of lives? Am I going to start a war of a country against itself? Potentially provoke that war. So from the get go, Abe Lincoln is one month into his presidency, and these are the decisions that he is faced with. Unbelievable. I, it's hard not to laugh.
1: Look what a life. I couldn't imagine. Yeah, I couldn't imagine being his barber and
0: just having. <laughs> <sit>. <laughs> Everything okay there, Abe? Dude, in the, in the movie Lincoln, he mentions his barber, actually. it's funny. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's sitting there talking to some of the soldiers. Well, that's the thing. Your are barber. You figure <laughs> he's, you're going to tell him everything. Yeah, and I would imagine he had his own barber, maybe in the White House. I don't know. Probably gave him some advice. <laughs> yeah. So he decides to send supplies to Fort Sumter, potentially provoking more. So what he does was he notified Confederate leaders. He said, hey, we're going to send a ship down with food. This is purely humanitarian. No ammo, no guns. No funny business? No funny business. Food. These guys are going to starve on April 15th if we don't resupply them with food. We're sending food down. So he told Confederate leaders they were going to do this. Right? And what do you think
1: happened? Uh I imagine he wasn't truthful. That's
0: Ooh, okay. Well, he's honest. He's honest, Abe. He's honest, Abe.
1: Yeah, I just that could just be like sarcastic. You know? <laughs> Maybe he was being sarcastic. Lost in like, the books of history. Like, yeah, there's just food in really the honest. ships. Maybe, like, like, no, he lied all the time. You're
0: thinking it's a Trojan horse type of situation. Could be. Well, it wasn't. But the South didn't trust him. You kind of can't blame him. Like, they're, this is a really big deal. <clears throat> well, they just pulled a big move on him, too.
1: So I imagine they were thinking there was going to be some kind of reactionary measure. Yeah, so
0: exactly he's like why wouldn't like they're why thinking, wouldn't you why wouldn't he attack us yeah well they he sent food down but before the ship got there the Southern Confederate rebels attacked Fort Sumter first shots fired in the Civil War April 12th 1861 34 hours of non-stop shelling if you will cannon fire cannon fire gunfire the whole thing nobody died. It was a well, uh, well-built well fortress, I believe. <laughs> yeah, but there, was, there was gunfire going both directions. Nobody died. But they ended up surrendering the fort because they were just running out of supplies. Well, that's the thing.
1: It's like any time <clears throat> you have a siege of any kind. It, you cut off the supply route, and then eventually it's there just waiting
0: them out. There you go. So the South obviously knew they they, they knew what they were doing. Uh, but they didn't trust Abe Lincoln. They wanted to prove a point. They didn't trust the North in general. And so they fired the first shots. So the first shots are fired. But there is the question as to, like... Who actually started the war? Who started the Civil War? You can definitely make the argument that the South did. They fired the first shots. But you can also make the argument that the North did, the Union Army, Abe Lincoln's decision to send that supply ship. Rather than surrender it. Yeah. But that's – talk about a lose-lose.
1: You know what at the time, I'm sure it seemed like the best choice to make, and uh, yeah, I'm sure it was the best choice to make. Don't surrender it and send them food. Unfortunately,
0: it just led to starting a war. yeah, I mean, his one of his main goals in the Civil War was to preserve the Union. So by letting the South take that fort, I think that would have been a step in the opposite direction. So that's probably his thought process. Basically, Abe Lincoln and I have like think very similarly. So I can tell I'm assuming you know, that's what I'm assuming. I know what he's thinking.
1: I could tell, but there I just you go. Got to get you a big hat, there, Danny. No one will be able to tell the difference. Honest, Danny.
0: Honest, Danny. Here you go, honest, Danny. I Mr. Rohini on this show, technically. Oh, my mistake. I'll call you Mr. Diggins. I hope you do. Or Diggy Poo. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with Mr. Diggins. So this the, the the attacks on Fort Sumter and and the battle that ensued kind of was like a wake up call, and they're like, oh man, this is gonna be a war, isn't it?
1: Well, I'm sure the South. I'm sure they didn't want to start a war either. I mean, how is that going to benefit them in any slide of the way? You know
0: what? I feel like they did. Why do you feel like they did? Well... Tell me, Abe. I, they just... They were pretty fed up with the whole situation, and they're like... That, now, they knew... They were—they had way less people, way less supplies, way less money. They were the but underdogs. But they also
1: had the better generals, uh, better there's tacticians. An argument.
0: Oh, for sure there's an argument for that. Yeah, absolutely. And they had more of like... They had like a cause. It's crazy to say. We're fighting over slavery, mind you, right? That's sure. the reason for the Civil War, the reason that the South left. They were fighting over slavery and its abolition. And uh they really wanted to keep slavery, I suppose, right? And the North, it's so easy to just say like, all right, well, we already don't have slavery, so there's they're fighting to preserve the Union, which is like a bit abstract maybe. I don't know. It's less tangible for the North than it is for the South.
1: I don't know whether it was. I mean, it was just from the plantations and their cotton fields, whatever they had producing there. Yeah, slaves were their their
0: source of income. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've covered that at length in the last few weeks. I guess. So I guess you're like not a fan of the podcast. You don't listen very often.
1: No, I do. Oh,
0: you. Oh, you do? I do. I'm a oh. big-time listener. Oh, okay. Because I, I knew First I could First-time caller. I knew I could count. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I could count on my friends to, you know, really show support for, for the creative works here. Mr. Ohaney, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> anyway, Ford Sumter, 34 hours of, of, of barrage, right, of gunfire. Not one casualty. Nobody dies. It's a beautiful thing. But the war has begun. The Civil War has begun. And we've been leading up to this for, like, weeks in class, and it's crazy. The Civil War has begun. So, Abraham Lincoln sends out a request to the northern states, and he says, I need 75,000 militia, militia militiamen, for 90 days to put down the rebellion in the south. That's what he asks for 75,000 men for 90 days. That was the the North was like, right, 90 days will be good to go, the Civil War will be over.
1: I think we used that during the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> Just two weeks, folks. Oh,
0: yeah, same cut's That's all we need. <laughs> Here we are a year and a half later. Exactly, same well, yeah, concept. yeah, the Civil War lasted for four years. Well, let's... And we're going to talk about that in a bit. Uh, well, luckily, he got the 75,000 militiamen. They signed up for 90 days. And the North responded with enthusiasm. Uh, and the Upper South, like the folks, like the Virginias, <clears throat> the North Carolinas, they kind of were pretty defiant. They were like, we don't want to fight our southern neighbors. So they didn't join, obviously. But you've got Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee, Arkansas. <clears throat> they joined the Confederacy soon after. Kind of wild. Okay, so again, Abraham Lincoln asks for 75,000 militiamen, sign up for 90 days. If that gives you any idea as to what the expectations were for the North. Gotcha. 90 days, Civil War over.
1: And... Was there any? Were they getting paid for this? Or yeah, it was yeah, just yeah, yeah. Doing it out of they were definitely uh, getting the paid. hatred for slavery and to make sure that we can get this union back on
0: track. There was certainly some patriotism involved. I'm sure there was some patriotism. But no, it was, uh, it was, it was for sure they were getting paid. Yeah, they were, they were soldiers for sure. Gotcha. Yeah. So Virginia secedes. They join the Confederacy. Robert E. Lee comes along with them. Obviously, he's a Virginia dude. That's right. You know the name Robert E. Lee. Uh, Very familiar with Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee. Ends up being the commander of all Confederate forces. Pretty big deal. Oh, yeah. Like, he's like a really big deal, obviously. So all the eyes, Virginia joins the Confederacy. All the eyes are on these border states. Delaware, Maryland, Kentucky, and Missouri. They're all slave states, but they border a free state. Right? Kind of a big deal. Could be very dangerous for you to... uh being on those border states very dangerous place to be but they obviously have prime location right in terms of fighting a war they're like literally caught in the middle of it yeah kind of a big deal that's, they're basically no man's
1: land in the uh in the greater war the area. dmz <laughs> exactly the
0: demilitarized zone <laughs> there's our dz that's a that's a call of duty reference i, oh, I got for it. all of those who, who don't know the kids definitely know now i'm officially cool that's the thing. I know all the Navy SEAL signs. I can I communicate with those guys. <laughs> so those the location, the resources of those states were like obviously very, very important for each side. And all four states decided to join the Union. Decided to join the Union. Smart choice. So fast forward a bit. Not, 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 not very far, but fast forward a bit. Like July now, okay? The Union has got its eyes set on Richmond, Virginia. Richmond, Virginia. This is the new capital of the Confederate States of America. Really? Yeah. So Richmond is like the the North Washington, D.C. Gotcha. Right? So the new capital of the Confederacy. Before that, they wanted to get to Richmond, the union. They were like, let's get to Richmond, cut off their capital, war over, 90 days, boom, see you later. So that was Abe's (laughs) idea. Uh, that's probably not Abe's Winfield Scott. He's like in charge of the uh, of the Union Army at this point. Abe, I mean Abe's the president of the United States, commander in chief. Commander in chief. Yeah, and he's got the final say. But you've got you've got boots on the ground that are doing making those decisions. So they they're they're gonna try to make it to Richmond. Gotcha. And when you now you know you have Maryland that's on your side in the North, like an easy enough march to get down there, right? So before they get down there, they have to get through some Confederate troops stationed in Manassas, Virginia. I've heard that before. Did Honestly, anything good in Manassas? if you've a great couple of great. Well, it depends how you define good. But Manassas, if you've ever driven down near Washington, D.C., you see Manassas on the roadside. It's like it's really close really? to the city. Yeah, it's really close. Is it nice? <clears throat> I've never actually been, but it looks cool on a sign, on a roadside. Right Manassas, on. Manassas, you know? Manassas, there it is Beautiful old Manassas Well, it's kind of like it's, uh, it's, it's the battle site of a pretty gnarly fight that we had Right? That's where I that's where I remember it from So the Union forces, July 1861 Hop on their old uh, marching wagons, if you will And they head to Manassas to go fight the Confederate troops Dennis, hundreds of spectators <laughs> joined them to go watch the fight Really? Hundreds of spectators
1: I have to be honest with you, I might have done the same thing. I knew you were going to say that. Well, because this is such a monumental moment. You're about to see a a battle between the North and the South.
0: But that's, like, twisted, isn't it? Dan, you got to realize, back in those days, this was the entertainment. Yeah, it's not like they were watching, there's no like NBA playoffs uh on. Exactly. This was the biggest news. You didn't have NFL Sundays. Exactly. Wow.
1: But this was... This was a different time. This is what people got entertainment from. You would go be a spectator at the Battle of Bull Run. I'm gonna be the only guy in the village who doesn't go. <laughs> I'd be an outcast, shunned. You don't Mr. trust Diggins. the guy that doesn't go to the war, go see the war, y- the execution. Yeah,
0: you're like the guy. You're the blacksmith, and everybody's like, "Oh, he didn't go watch the Battle of Bull Run." <laughs> exactly. Anybody else got a blacksmith friend if, around here? If you want to stay alive in those times, Dan, you stay right in the middle of the
1: pack. Yeah, you got to really plug yourself into the social circles. That's right. <laughs> My name will never be in a history
0: book. I am For staying the- right here. <laughs> you don't want to be the outlier nope. in the book. Nope. Wow. Face in the crowd. That's how you stay alive. Listen, history isn't made by people who
1: just go with the flow, Dennis. Yeah, but the ones who made it out write the
0: books about the dead guys who did the crazy <laughs> things. All of my own publishing. <laughs> Listen, I don't disagree. I think you're you're wise beyond your years. Nope, I you're wise die. beyond your years. So these spectators expected a very quick and entertaining battle, right? But boy, were they in for a treat. The Union forces attack Confederate forces near a little creek called Bull Run, right? And they were honestly laying it on pretty heavy. Union, like, comes out and, and might as well. Have have won the battle right off the bat guns blazing guns blazing they are they are all you know all systems go right they are they're full speed ahead uh there was a young man named thomas jackson he was in charge of a regiment of confederate troops and he stopped the union advance he and his confederate troops he and his confederate regiment right A, a fellow general a fellow commander on the Confederate side, said, There is Jackson, Commander Jackson, standing like a stone wall. Ah. I know who you're talking about. That's right. Stonewall Jackson. Well, that helped and facilitated the Confederates to launch a counterattack. And long story short, they go... You know, attacking on the offensive Back against the Union forces With that blood-curdling rebel yell Became known as the rebel yell right. Literally started in like this first One of the first big battles No kidding In the Civil War, the rebel yell I would love to like try to test it out But I don't really I don't want to do it Go to a supermarket, try Dude. it out <laughs> aisle five We rebel yell in aisle five Exactly <laughs> Well, it kind of like freaked out the Union soldiers It's a good uh, It's a good battle yeah. tactic They withdrew they retreated.
1: Off they went. And the con- Now you're saying that the confidence came from
0: Stonewall Jackson uh, showing up to hold the line? He held the line against this Union advance. It facilitated and kind of allowed for this uh, Confederate counterattack. And long story short, Confederates won at the first Battle of Bull Run.
1: Uh, a disheartening loss at the start of a war. You ain't kidding.
0: Disheartening to say the least. So a couple of things. Did the North take away? Did everybody take away from the first battle of Bull Run? First and foremost, this fighting is going to be bloody. This Civil War is going to be bloody, and it is not going to be over quickly. No, nobody expected the South to win anything, to do anything.
1: Well, that's the thing. What a morale yeah. booster for you! Think you're going to get crushed because yep. you're on the, you have fewer people, fewer yep. supplies. Everything. Every next thing you know, you win this one of the first battles. Yep. among the uh, Civil War, and you crush it. They, so yeah, you're coming off
0: a big, a
1: big yeah. W there.
0: So the fighting's going to be nasty. It's going to be brutal and bloody. It's not going to be over quickly. And, uh, and you just saw the cause that the South was willing to fight for. And they were going to fight fiercely to defend the Confederacy. Another takeaway. Abraham Lincoln, President Lincoln, realized that those 90-day militias he asked for, yeah, that's not going to cut it. So he goes from three-month... Enlistments to three-year enlistments. He sends a letter. Bad news. He asks for 500,000 volunteers to sign up for three years. Unbelievable. What a turn of events. One battle caused that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the first battle of Bull Run. Well, it just proved... It proved the... The strength, if if not the well, uh, I guess yeah, it gave momentum
1: to the South. You're right, it gave strength for sure. It did the rebel yell too, just, and with all the carnage going on and the these rebel people yell wi- freaked them out exactly. But with freaked seeing everything like that, all the the horrors of war and these just these people are coming running at you full bore, screaming their heads Dude, off. Dude, yeah, yeah, I'd be pretty terrified.
0: I yeah, I'd really. ask for five hundred thousand. men, too. Well, it was it was like what a moment for Abe Lincoln where he's got to be like, ah. I was hoping this would be over soon. You're going to need a bigger voting. I was hoping podium. this would be over soon. <laughs> exactly. Here we are. 500,000 men is what I'm requesting. I did a full Abraham Lincoln impression last week. That was your Abraham Lincoln impression? I. Listen, he doesn't sound like what you think he'd sound like. But that was like my poor attempt at being half congested and doing it. Yes. It was oh, soon. right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I was okay. thinking more like low and guttural. Yeah, no, it's not. It's complete opposite. He's like kind of high and raspy. Really? Yep. So, uh,. Abe Lincoln gives command of the Union forces to General George B. McClennan. Really? George B. McClennan. And he's in charge of the Union Army in the East. Ready for this spoiler alert? Hit me. He's like one of the worst commanders the American forces have ever had. I was about to say, that's why I don't uh, remember hearing his name. (laughs) Dude, he's bad. I mean, he gets defeated, uh, or he gets appointed after Bull Run. Uh, he's good at preparing the army; they're they're well trained, but he's just so reluctant to attack the South. He's so timid and reluctant to go on the offensive. They're your countrymen, really. Yeah, there's an interesting argument there. Anyway, honest Abe, man. George McClellan was so reluctant to attack, basically ever, let alone attack Richmond, and uh, and Abe Lincoln's like really growing impatient with him. It was like he was noticeably impatient. He was and he was expressing that to a lot of folks. So head up down south, right? Ulysses S. Grant, he's in charge of the forces in the in in the south and winning battles in the west. Gotcha. So he's got this quote of his strategy in the army, and I think it's hilarious. <laughs> U- Ulysses S. Grant's quote? Find out where your enemy is, get at him as soon as you can, strike at him as hard as you can, and keep moving on. <laughs> that seems like... Oh, find your enemy and try to beat him? Yeah, that sounds like a good strategy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So he. I got an idea, fellas. Yeah, I got an idea. Let's find out where the bad guys are and let's try to beat them up. To heck with hiding in the trees. Yeah. Just go and punch them. Let's just go get them. So he opens up the south. He takes these two forts that are on these rivers, the Tennessee River and the Cumberland River down in Tennessee, uh, and basically opens up like a huge area of the south. Uh, for to to union control, kind of cool. So he say that to me again. So he, he that was I know that was quick. So he he has the idea to take over or like to fight for yeah two river forts, smart Confederate river forts in Tennessee, and what it does is their goal was to like try to split the South in half. The Divide and strategy. conquer, man. Yeah, so they get control of these big rivers, and they have like control of this vertical line, this north to south line. They're gonna split like, like uh, <clears throat> Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and yeah. Texas from the rest of the South and the Southeast. Kind of good, interesting. It's right? a good battle plan. Yeah. Then comes the Battle of Shiloh. The whole point of this one is just like kind of to show of this battle in particular, the the, the Battle of Shiloh, is uh. Just like how many people died, how many casualties they had. It was like 20% of the Union Army. They, they, they lost. They lost in this? Yeah, casualties-wise, right? So it was like 20% casualties, 25, 30% casualties for the Confederates. It was just like brutal. Good Lord. Yeah. You know uh, William Tecumseh Sherman? Never heard of that guy? No. He was uh, a commander and a general for the Union Army. He had, like, three horses shot out from under him while he was fighting. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it was brutal. It was, like, it was bloody, bloody fierce fighting. <laughs> that fourth horse must have been, like, oh, crap. He's like, jeez, I'm the fourth out of those <laughs> yeah. three? That's really funny. What happened, to, <laughs> what happened to the other guys? Don't worry oh about it. Oh, my gosh. So they ended up, like, the Union forces came out on top, but uh, it was brutal. And it kind of, like, set the tone for the fighting to come. Like it was not it was not gonna be Well at this an battle, easy battle where
1: was the stage of the civil war when the battle of Shiloh? Shiloh. Shiloh happened. It's
0: like February, March of eighteen sixty two.
1: So is this halfway through the war? Is it towards we're, the beginning, towards the end? Was this one of the wars that kinda gave the light at the end of the tunnel? Of no, the,
0: we're a year in. Oh boys. And we've got like three years left. Yeah. What a it's a nightmare. Pr- it's pretty brutal. A lot of things happen. A lot of things happen. So. Uh, but a lot of horses died. A lot of. <laughs> <laughs> a That's lot of horses died. Uh, the Union takes New Orleans next. The spring of eighteen sixty-two. That was a big deal. That was like the largest city down south, right down the Gulf of Mexico. So they take they take New Orleans. That's a really big deal. Now they're control. They're in control of like most of the Mississippi River, which is a really big deal. Uh, meanwhile. Back in the East, the Northeast, General McClellan, uh, he's not really doing too well, uh, to say the least. Losing they, battles. They wanted to capture Richmond, right? And so he's like preparing, 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 getting close, getting close. And they were really close. Uh, but then the situation changes pretty drastically. How so? So we go from New Orleans, right, down South. Now we're back up North. We're back in Virginia. Um, so Robert E. Lee is now in charge of the Army of Northern Virginia. Follow me. Got gotcha. He sends out a guy like a, of like a thousand guys to do some recon on the Union troops, right, trying to find out where they are. Uh, long story short, this is part of McClellan's Peninsula Campaign, right, this big campaign to take Richmond. Oh, well, yeah, that's right. I remember that. And uh, and basically the South like attacks first and... Catches him off guard. Catches him off guard in a way, yeah, sort of. Um, and it's seven days of fighting. It's called the Seven Days Battles. Like they just battle, 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 battle. And the Union troops ended up having to withdraw to Washington, D.C. But the moral of the story is, down south, Ulysses S. Grant is on a tear, right? He's winning battles left and right. He's He's, he's doing a really, really good job. And up north, McClellan is doing the exact opposite for the Union. So Ulysses
1: is showing off down there Ulysses is, is crushing it Yeah And Abe's Listen. starting to notice
0: Oh for sure For sure He basically says like Abe Lincoln knows Yeah And he's he's so fed up with McClellan at this point It's almost comical to read the quotes He's like Tell me whatever Ulysses S. Grant eats for dinner I'm going to feed it to the rest of my generals <laughs> Like he says yeah. stuff like that It's pretty cool It's pretty cool But up at Up in the north Near Richmond, Union forces lose yet again, <clears throat> a second battle of Bull Run. They withdraw to Washington, uh, and they were very, very needed victories for the South. Kind of a big deal, right? So, next up, we've got Robert E. Lee, okay, and they're in Virginia, and he is planning to invade the North. Big deal, really, big deal, because the fighting had not yet taken place in the North.
1: Well, I was about to say, my knowledge is the Civil War was it all took place in the uh, in the South. I never knew the yeah. South to pull an offensive on us. There you go. So he
0: wanted to invade the North. And he planned it. He had this whole campaign planned to invade Maryland and hopefully march his way north into Delaware. Um, he had a couple reasons for it, obviously. One, he hoped that it would just like kind of like strong arm Abe Lincoln into peace talks. Saying like, hey, you didn't expect it to go this long, did yeah. you? How about, why don't we talk? I want to get to the table and talk, right? He wanted to give the Virginia farmers a break. Because when you're, like, think about it, That's the side of war, especially in the 1860s, you don't necessarily think of. You've got soldiers fighting in their own backyards. You've They need to be fed and supplied. And so who's feeding them? You're not just, like, going to shop, right? Yeah, that's right. And buying up all the chicken breasts you can, right?
1: You, you have, have your own farm, and the next thing you know, a hundred uh, soldiers come up to oh, you. Oh, tens telling of thousands you they're hungry. of
0: soldiers. Exactly. So let's give the Virginia farmers a break. They could also, let's now let's put the burden on the northern farmers. Let's steal some of their food. It's a good thing. Have them suffer, right, vicariously from this war. And also just show the rest of the Confederacy that we can win a war. We can win a war. That's right. Listen, he's trying to gain steam. Yeah. Sidebar here. England and France. Not really players in the Civil War, right? Correct. They are paying attention, mind you. I would too. They're having actual meetings on their their floors of Congress as to whether or not they're going to recognize the Confederate States of America as a sovereign nation. They're debating this on, on their own, their their floors of government. Well,
1: England, they yeah. just lost the Revolutionary War not too long ago. Yeah. So why wouldn't they... Uh...
0: Yeah, if yeah. you're in a position like that, right. So here's the funny part. One thing we always talk about in school is, uh, we, I say, "Where's the money?" I was like, "Why would somebody do that?" Where, like, "Where's the money?" Where, where? I would say, "Where's the money?" That's always follow what the it's money, about. right? So, what's the big industry down south, in the United States? Slavery. Slavery. What's the big cash crop? Hemp. Not hemp (laughs) Cotton Cotton That was my next guess And what is something that cotton is used to make? Clothing Clothing Guess who's got humongous clothing and textile industries In Uh, Europe The UK The UK and France And France So They're very fashionable
1: But (laughs) They actually are very fast. I know. Listen, they had the the big getups and whatnot. It's like they you need- The
0: French have been wearing skinny jeans for like twenty years already, and they're just now making it to the United States. Well, you know, it's they're trying to get into the game. I don't think I've got
1: skinny jeans in me, Dan. I uh, I don't think I've ever put a pair of skinny jeans on me. <laughs> I
0: yeah, I can't. I can't I've always, been very I've, in always been very I've always been very
1: skinny, so I tried to. Oh, Make Make myself look bigger by getting
0: bigger pants (laughs) I would have been a great strategist Uh, in the Civil War There you go, I know McClellan could have used some of your help (laughs) Exactly, bigger shoulder pads fellas (laughs) We'll scare the hell out of them (laughs) Intimidate them with our shoulders (laughs) I'm telling you, it could have worked So he plans Robert E. Lee plans to invade the North Invade to Maryland Guess what happens (laughs)
1: Tell tell me, Dan His battle plans get lost (laughs) And the North finds him Are you kidding me? Yeah
0: No, I'm not kidding
1: Was it just lost in transit? The
0: story goes What's it called? Executive order I forget, 191 I forget the executive order part Kind of silly of me The story goes that one of his Aide camps. Has it like wrapped around a cigar or something? It's like an easy way to hide it and make it look very uh, inconspicuous. Inconspicuous, thank you. And he like leaves it at a campsite, and then the Union forces come into this like abandoned campsite and they find the battle. Could you (laughs) imagine being that guy (laughs) fighting this? Yeah, he's like Sarge, you're not gonna believe it. I think I found something good. (laughs) Exactly. So it gets into the the hands of George McClellan, and he's like, oh, we can't possibly lose now. I mean, to sum it up, they probably probably would have been bad had they not found those but it was like a draw. Do you remember the Battle of Antietam? Yeah. That was like the culminating battle of of this whole uh scenario, if you will. The Battle of Antietam. Uh and it happened in Maryland, Sharpsburg, Maryland, I believe was the town. Um yeah, so the North like went on the attack, but it was just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. This is September 1862, so fast forward a few months, right? And it was just nonstop, brutal fighting. It is the bloodiest, bloodiest. single yeah, day. Right. You remember that? Yeah, I remember. Antietam was one
1: of the bloodiest, yeah. yeah. It is the bloodiest single day in American history. What was the...
0: Uh, do you remember what the, the final death count was of that battle? The death count was something like... Seven to nine thousand, but the casualties—so dead, wounded, or missing—yeah, thousand. Unbelievable in thirteen hours. So it's a single day of fighting, thirteen hours, and it's kind of because, I mean, Robert E. Lee had planned this big campaign, and McClellan was able to counterattack it because they were prepared; they had the plans. So it was just, it was just brutality.
1: It was wild. I mean, you have their playbook. I get, you think they would come up with some kind
0: of better. Uh... Well, that is Better the... Better defense against them. No, you're a thousand percent right. A thousand percent right. And that is the ultimate criticism of George McClellan. In fact, he did such a poor job having had the plans for this campaign. Yeah. President Lincoln said, you're done. I was about to say, that's obviously the last draw. He got fired in November. The fight was in September and President Lincoln's like, I'm fed up with you. You've been too slow, too shy, too timid. To go on the attack, and uh, you're done. I would have fired him longer than than that. Abe Lincoln is a good man, and I think he he held out a little (laughs) bit longer than he should have, perhaps. A little bit longer than he should have. (laughs) Abe Lincoln is a good man. (laughs) So are you guys. (laughs) Frankenstein have owned your friends. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the Battle of Antietam in a nutshell.
1: Well, kudos to Robert E. Lee.
0: They have your plans, and you still manage to pull a draw out of it. There is something to be said for that. There is absolutely something to be said for that. They were the underdogs through and through in just about every in every sense of the word. I mean, if they didn't defend such horrible causes, you
1: know, I, I would have rooted for them. I know. You love a good underdog story. Love a good underdog
0: story. But, yeah, this is just one that's hard to root for. No, no, you can't. It's not, yeah. It's a horrible. I'm yeah. glad they lost. yeah.
1: Terrible people. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It's <laughs> like so many underdogs you're like, let's do it. But this one is just like Yes, yeah, sorry, you guys are <laughs> good. I'm glad you lost. <laughs> Dude, we're not even done with the war yet. What if my kids didn't know that they lose? Are you kidding me? I don't think you're gonna ever be invited back to this podcast. You just ruined everything. You're good. <laughs> you're good. Keep keep that wherever it needs to be. Yeah. Wherever it needs to be. Yep, yep. Um, well, Dennis. Dan. I think that might do it.
1: I got to be honest, if you're going to leave off anywhere, it's the bloodiest battle. <laughs>
0: <I> <laughs> a really that. big thing happens very, very soon. A really big thing happens. Is that next week's episode, or are you going to tell me? Yeah. No, I'm not telling you. We haven't covered it yet in class. Oh. This is a review of the week. Gotcha. Don't you forget it. Gotcha. It's one more way for... for See, I wasn't paying attention in class, Dan. The kids... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go, so... Lesson learned. If you're not paying attention in class, you can just listen to the podcast. You'll be good to go. Exactly. It helped me. (laughs) So, we had first shots at Fort Sumter, right? We had that first battle of Bull Run. That's right. That showed it was not going to be a quick war. No. Went from 75,000 to 500,000 Union troops. We talked about the Peninsula Campaign. That's right. We talked about Ulysses S. Grant down south. Doing a hell of a job, by the way. Doing a great job. Doing a really good job. he's like presidential material, that guy. Well, I don't want to give it away for the kids. Yeah, well, we'll save that for next time. I have his memoirs, his personal memoirs, and I brought them into school. I brought all all the books that I have that are about Civil War brought to school, and the kids can take them and read them and look at them, whatever they want. Uh, But I had a girl, Adriana. She's like, can I have that? Can I read that? Really? I said, yeah. Dude, Diggins, It's it's like... 100 pages I can imagine bold move to I'm sure he had a it. lot to write about he had a lot to write about he fought in the Mexican- American war every the day Civil was war. a nightmare yeah so uh Adriana Pena good on you for uh for taking that book I hope you're reading it already. It is six fifteen on Wednesday, so I'll, I'll talk to you next Monday and see how far you got. I guess we'll uh, we'll see. It sounds like a dense read. So Fort Sumter, Battle of Bull Run, McClellan's Peninsula Campaign, and I guess ultimately the Battle of Antietam, the bloodiest single day in American military history. It's very interesting,
1: but uh, I'm sure if you were there that day, it had to have been hell on earth. That's what they
0: say. They I we got a quote. Again and again, this is a guy who was there. Again and again, by charges and countercharges, this portion of the field was lost and recovered until the green corn that grew upon it looked as if it had been struck by a storm of bloody hail. From sheer exhaustion, both sides, like battered and bleeding athletes, seemed willing to rest. Good Lord. That's a first hand account of the battle of Antietam. It was a long day. 13 hours of nonstop And flying. the
1: fact that he described the battlefield
0: being painted like it was a bloody, blood hail bloody hailstorm. It's brutal. Absolutely brutal. So that's where I think we're going to call it a day and that that is Americans versus Americans. Yeah. It's really sad, you and hope. Uh, you hope to never see it again. Yeah, we certainly hope to never see it again. So that's 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 why we learn it. That's right. You got to learn from history. That's why we learn it. So that was a good little a good little bit there. A lot happens in the Civil War, and that was in three days of school, Dennis. Three days. We covered all that in three days. Uh, listen, I wish I was
1: Billy Madison. I wish I could go back. <laughs> Well, but can, I can't, Dan. You're my only source of information
0: now. You can listen here to the Ohini Review. We'll give you a rundown of American history from well. the Civil War moving forward week by week. Uh, the goal here, and my kids, we talk about it every day, the goal is to stack up the victories. Stack them up day by day, one by one. We call it just going 1-0. I want you to go 1-0 in every single moment. So that's what we do. We take it day by day. We take it class by class, month by month, unit by unit, assignment by assignment, I have a one and zero board at the front of the room. It says one and zero. And if you had a small victory for the day, I always do it. I write it on a post it note and I put it right up on the one and zero board, and uh, and you stack up the victories. You see very quickly how uh, how much you can accomplish. Baby steps, Dan. It's a beautiful thing. Baby steps. You'll one step there. at a time. So that's the goal. Stack up the victories one day at a time. Uh, if you happen to lose one, you just try again the next time, and off you go. It's right kind on. of a beautiful thing. So. Uh, that's where we're going to leave it. 1-0. Dan, this has
1: been certainly a 1-0 and day for me. It's a beautiful thing. I appreciate you inviting me on. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, you brought a lot to this podcast, and there's three things that I ask my kids to bring to class every day. Three things I ask them to do. I ask them to show up, I ask them to do the work, and I ask them to think seriously. You do those three things. You try to stack up victories one by one. It is unbelievable what you can accomplish at the end of a unit, at the end of a school year, at the end of a week, even in three short days. It's a great mindset, Dan. It's a beautiful thing. So, for those of you listening at home, thank you so much again for chiming in. Uh, it's been fun, and thanks for having, uh, thanks for coming, Dennis. Of course, Dan, my good buddy, Dennis Dickens. I hope That's you guys right. enjoyed his uh, his commentary. Um, you guys know where to find me. If you have any questions at all, I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week. Our two days off that we have plus the weekend is four. Um, Give me a shout if you need anything at all, and you know the deal. I love you all. Have a wonderful weekend, and I'll see you on Monday.